Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think and live and make decisions. When even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how can we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all that information overload and choose what governs our lives? Well, our leadership here at Grace has been processing these things and praying for all of us, so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff, how are we doing, buddy? Good, Joe. Excellent. How are you today? I'm actually doing pretty good. That's fantastic. Yeah. Normally, I hate doing this with you, but this is not... <laughs> I was going to say, that's better than normal, Joe. <laughs> uh, I just like to be honest whenever somebody asks that question. I feel like too many responses are, fine, good, great. That's right. You know, and so, I don't know, I just... You know, I was talking to my friend Bob the other day, and he told me that he listens to this podcast while he's running. <laughs> So, Bob, if you're listening while you're running right now, I just want to say something to you as a word of encouragement. Twinkies, Twinkies, Twinkies. You could be eating Twinkies. And today we're going to get into the how Satan tempts you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, uh, our question today is actually a short one, but I think a very good one. And it's simply this, Jeff. What if good isn't good? Okay. What if how we understand, oh, this is what it means to be good, isn't at all what God had in mind? Uh, What if we settle for our definition and so on and so forth? So what if good isn't good? How do we even discover what that is and how to navigate it? Uh, It's actually a really good question. And to be honest with you, it's actually a really big temptation. Mm -hmm. So the scripture says that, uh, near the end of time, what is evil will be considered good, and what is good will be considered evil. And it's one of the, the what the Bible would call like the signs of the times. My guess is almost every listener, something just popped into their mind. Yeah, and, and so it's it's very much the world we live in right now, and it's, it's one of the things uh, that we would look at with prophecy in the end of time, which mm-hmm. Jesus talks quite a bit about, Matthew 24, other places. He would talk quite a bit about the end of time. And of course, you know, other prophecies throughout Scripture, but that's one of the things. Of a, It's one of the marks of a false teacher, and it's one of the um, marks of kind of the, the thinking of the age, that what is good is considered evil, and what, evil, what is evil is considered good. So that is something that I think is a human temptation, mm-hmm. uh, to look and say, um, my goodness is my definition. Today we would say things like my truth, and I'm living my truth, um, and I'm going to define what good is. And because there is no absolute truth, like the Scripture, that's the way that we would think today, therefore all truth is truth, therefore my truth is my truth. Um, That logic on personal levels and global levels breaks down hyper-quick, right? So Hitler thought what he was doing was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stalin thought what he was doing was good. Um, Most people who uh, lie, steal, or cheat have a very good rationale for doing that. Yeah. So they would say that is good, right? And so that it's like big stuff, global stuff, and then it's like me, I'm that way too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and uh, we, if we 
accept that as truth, that if I decide that I had a right motive or I had a good intention, therefore what I did or what I am doing is is uh, becomes morally right or morally good, you can turn almost anything in, into that, right? Sure. What I find ironic is <clears throat> um, usually when you're talking about somebody, talking to somebody about this, uh, if you just change the subject, they change their stance. So if, if I was talking to somebody uh, maybe about abortion, uh-huh. And I said to them, um, uh, I believe that, you know, all life is God-given life, and uh, therefore all life should be protected. And they looked back at me, and they said, but my baby has a birth defect, and they will not have a good quality of life. So the most loving thing I can do is abort my child. And then you have some who would even go a step further that would say, Maybe I didn't know there was a birth defect, but once they are born or once they are partially born and that is noticed, the most loving thing, the good thing I can do is take that child's life, right? And they would feel very, very strong about that. Make sense? Uh Now, just change the subject. If I took that logic and applied it to puppies, Uh they would be morally outraged, and if I said, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, did, I didn't want my dog to be pregnant, so we just went and aborted all the puppies. Or I had a puppy that was born that had a birth defect, so I just, I just uh, got rid of it. Mm-hmm. They would be morally outraged. But I'm like, but it's the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? So that's w- when we're struggling with that that's when i would say well then good isn't good mm-hmm. if good isn't good all the time uh then you're making up a definition of it what scripture does and what christian uh christ-centered thinking does is it brings those standards all the way through right so, uh, so this is a for real thing uh, somebody would look at me and say jeff i thought you believed in life i do so if, if you had a child or a grandchild with a birth defect, I would absolutely give my life, my energy, my wealth to creating for that child. Jeff, don't you and Heidi breed dogs? We do. What happens if a dog has a birth defect? Uh, we actually will spend thousands of dollars to help that dog mm-hmm. because I believe that that's ethical, that mm-hmm. it is good, Right. And so I would fight for that life. Now, I do not believe animal life and human life are of the same value. But I would look and I would say, I'm responsible for that animal. I'm utilizing that animal. Therefore, that animal should get the very best that I have to offer Hmm. that animal. That that definition of goodness and life would go through all that. Um, Old people aren't good anymore. I don't believe that. So what do you do when your parents got old, Jeff? I moved them in with me and cared for them because I believe that. So when you, when you find yourself caught in these logic traps, so to say, and you have to shift those definitions around, um, that's when uh, you're, you're, cr- you're creating your own truth and applying it 
And that's usually the signal that you're probably going down some path you shouldn't go down with it. Well, I think that mindset usually comes from an understanding that somehow goodness is on a bell curve. Like, you know, where we think, well, these people are good and these people are bad. So as long as we're closer to the good side of things, then we're probably yeah. doing this okay. Yeah. I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but is that how we should define goodness? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, because goodness is from God. Okay. So uh, Jesus says, uh, we wrote this down, Mark 18, uh, 10, 18, uh, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Mm-hmm. So the goodness, pure goodness, comes from and is defined by God alone. What I can do is mirror the goodness of God, sure. right? So the goodness that I have, the, the love that I have, the mercy that I have, is instilled in me by God. Yeah. So it, which means the bell curve is that I was more merciful than you. It's usually uh, God has shown mercy to everybody equally, mm. Mm. right? And I'm not earning those that reward or earning my A plus on that bell curve. I'm receiving at deeper levels God's goodness in my own life. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Now, most of us, I think, even if we knew better than to say it like in a Bible study, for instance, if we're studying the Bible and I know not to say what I'm about to say, we would like to think, well, I'm a good person, Jeff. Yeah. Should we believe that? Um, it depends on your definition of goodness. So yeah, good. if, if you want to say I'm a nice person or I want, I'm a well-intentioned person, uh, and that's what you mean by a good person, I'm sure you are. If you mean that I have created my own righteousness and therefore I have covered and forgiven my own sins, the answer is that is wrong. That is that is not what happens. Christ and Christ alone does that. Right? That's good. And I, and I would, what I would look for, guys, is, is I would look for when, when Christ's goodness is coming through you or Christ's likeness is coming through you, it means it's going to come through you at times when you want it to come through you, and then it's going to confront you at times that you don't want to act in it. Hmm, yeah, build right? that out a little bit. So um, <clears throat> let's just let's change the word to compassion for okay. a minute, okay? Uh, is Jesus compassionate? Yes. Uh, does he want us to be compassionate? Yes. Okay. Uh, does he want us to be compassionate to tax collectors? Yes. Does he want us to be compassionate to uh, prostitutes? Yes. Does he want us to be compassionate to Trump supporters? Yes. Does he want us to be compassionate to Biden supporters? Yes. To transgendered people? Yes. To pedophiles? Yes. See? And and what happens is when it's like, oh, yeah, I really care about drug addicts. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me. It's very easy for me to be because I would struggle. I don't struggle with alcohol and drugs. I struggle with sugar and carbs. Mm-hmm. So I have an addictive person. So I like really can relate to them. That person that disagrees with me politically or is morally down a rat hole that I can't imagine myself, it's very hard for me to love them. So compassion over mm-hmm. here. It helps me over here. It confronts me. Yep. Because some of us right now are like, well, Jeff, you just said compassion to pedophiles. <laughs> and Joe, you said yes. I'm like, right. How can you be compassionate toward a pedophile? 
I actually don't know. <laughs> right. Like I, I actually, God would actually have to help me. And what about justice? Right. 100%. And, and what about safety? 100%. Right. And like, I don't, that's actually a very difficult thing for me to understand. Mm-hmm. But the truth is God's truth, so it applies in all situations. So goodness is the same way. It's, it's in my, when I'm thinking about being good, it's easy for me to be good to my children. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to be good to my friends. It's easy for me to be good to um, people that agree with me. It's harder for me to be pe- good to people that I don't know, people that I disagree with, people that hate me. Yep. So now when I'm withholding goodness, I'm actually not being defined by goodness. Yeah. And Jesus even addresses that directly in Matthew 5 when he says, well, congratulations, you love your brother. I'm asking you to pray and love for your enemy. Yeah. Be compassionate for those that you absolutely are against. Um, and so like, it's not this who looks lovable, who seems good. Okay, those are the neighbors we go and love. Somehow, some way, we have to see through the brokenness and what led to go to that extreme of the pedophile, what led that person to find themselves doing this heinous act. Yeah, and the victim. Right. And the and like, what about, so are you just saying let them off? No, because no. justice, God is also just, so we could play the justice word through. Sure. Right? But I, when, when I think about... That's what I think about. Like it, it's, um, it actually I Heidi and I like love and work with animals a lot. I actually it's very easy for me to be compassionate toward an animal, mm-hmm. um, like I, because especially a, like a puppy, like they're, they're like they need me. I feel responsible for them. I care about them. All those kind of things. It can be very hard for me to be compassionate toward a person. Yep. And what happens then is. The compassion of Christ just confronted me. So if you said to me, Jeff, are you compassionate? I need to be careful before I say yes <laughs> as a blanket statement. Yep. Like, Jeff, are you good? At times, I act in the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Jeff, do you want to be good? Yes. Jeff, are you learning to be good? Yes. Jeff, does God empower you to be good? When I let him, yep. are you good? I am mostly just dependent on the grace and the mercy of God. Yeah. And, and I want to reflect that, and I'm not really good at it a lot of the time. Yeah. This is such an important mindset for us to have as we engage um, our culture that seems kind of uh, against Christianity because. If if the party line, not politically, but if the party line is that Christians are just hypocritical and judgmental, one of the places that comes from is some type of self-elevation that I am good, and because you do or think this, you are bad. Yeah. And I think that that's where the foundation of this conversation is going. If we misunderstand good, we start a lot of that division real fast, and we get ourselves in big trouble because that's not at all what Jesus asked us to do. That's right. So how do we put ourselves in a better position when it comes, you know, how do we put ourselves in position to um, appropriately engage in love, maybe that pedophile, or someone that thinks differently about sexuality than us, yep. or someone that thinks differently about how our kids should be engaging things in the school? Like, how do we engage all that? So <laughs> so I would move it from I am good mm-hmm. to Jesus help me to 
demonstrate your goodness. Mm, wow. Right? And so it becomes a prayer instead of a statement. Uh, because I don't, um, I know people that have, uh, are sex offenders. I don't always know how to love them sure. or what to do or what their story is or what it meant. And like, it takes me a hot second, right? Um, I know people who hate my guts, like <laughs> literally. Yeah, like, I still do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like in all seriousness, and I'm like, it. I I don't always know how to be compassionate to them. That makes like sense. I I'm like I Lord or patient. Like you're just, uh, you have to help me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to respond. I don't know. So I would take it from a statement. I am good to a prayer. Jesus help me to be good or be compassionate or be patient. And then I'm not I'm actually not defeated by the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I actually believe I'm working my salvation out with fear and trembling and I'm trying to follow Christ. I, I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. If I could turn off my sins and my, and my arrogance and my self-righteousness, I, I would be willing to flip that switch, but that's not how God set this up. Uh, so it's, it's my place to walk and grow and understand him more and more. Yeah, that's so, so good. And y- you have me thinking about... Um, kind of the bigger Bible term of sanctification, because I need help. You just, you know, we need help. We can't just turn these things off and flip the switches because we're still on this journey of God taking that sin, that badness out of us and making us more and more like Him. Right. So when we engage someone, especially if they don't know Christ yet, but even someone that's maybe a brand new believer or just hasn't been able to grow much in their faith yet, they're also on a pathway of sanctification. Right. Of course, we, neither one of us are perfect. We both have a lot of change in front of us, and that change is sparked by a deep devotion and submission and affection for Jesus. Right. And so we have to put ourselves in those positions. That um, that idea of sanctification, I think, is a brilliant one, Joe, that you're bringing in because sanctification is a so sanctification if you're not familiar with that word is the the process so to say of us becoming like Christ yeah. right so this is the way sanctification works in our life when i accept jesus as my savior i am sanctified mm-hmm. the righteousness of christ i exchange my sin for his righteousness justified yeah, yeah correct right so you said sanctified i think that's why well, it's kind yeah. of both. Oh, I see. That, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like that that process mm. begins when yes. I'm justified or yes, yes, when yes. that exchange happens, right? So so that sanctification, I my sins are forgiven. They're f- thrown as far as the east is from the west. My heart is washed whiter than the snow. I am sanctified. There is no condemnation. Now, as I live the Christian life, so I'm sanctified, and then I am being uh, sanctified, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. right? With me now? Yep. So, like, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. It's not, am I going to hell or not? Right. It's how clearly am I reflecting Christ or not? Mm -hmm. So I'm being sanctified, and then when I get to heaven, I will be fully sanctified. I will no longer struggle with sin and not have to figure out anything about God anymore because my mind will be perfect with Him. That process is is a process that as Christ followers we need to embrace and remember. And uh, I would say this, if you believe that you have mastered following Jesus, 
you need to abandon your sense of arrival <laughs> yeah. and and double down on your sense of gratitude and curiosity and hunger and thirst for righteousness, Yeah, right? And that's what allows that being sanctified piece of that to to play out in a, in a in a in a big way, and sometimes any time that I look at any aspect of my relationship with God and say I'm uh, nailed it, I'm like, well, then you're back to zero with the self righteous one, right? <laughs> you know, and that that's not the way the Christian life works. If Paul can, if Paul who wrote most of the New Testament's claim the fame is I'm the chief of sinners, I'm pretty sure Jeff who wrote <laughs> Living Naked <laughs> needs to be pretty high on that list too, yeah, right? Almost the same amount of readership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good and and so helpful. I mean, we have to Look at our. Remember to look at ourselves through the lens of we needed Jesus, we need Jesus, and we will always need Jesus. That's right. And so anyone else we talk to, universally falls in that exact same category as we find ourselves. That's right. And that helps us a lot as we're looking at who's good, who's bad, and what does that even mean to begin with. Well, this uh, is probably something that could be an ongoing thing. I think we'll always battle with this somehow. We're really good at comparison. Um, but if we need to have those conversations, let's keep having them. And so if you want to take a deeper dive on some aspect of what we talked about today or you have a completely different question, you can always submit those at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages. We'd love to help you figure this stuff out, be in community, engage in those relationships that move you closer and closer uh, to Christ. Um, if you want to know, uh, if you want to have more of what you're hearing, if you want to help uh, more people hear these things, make sure you subscribe, follow, rate, and review the podcast. And if you need a church family, we'd love to have you join us on the weekend, check us out, or you can do so online if you're out of the area as well. Well, thanks for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.